You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Again, the first show of 2017, which is crazy, 2016 flew by, but very excited for what we've got in store coming up this year in 2017, not only on the podcast, but also on the website with some of the new software and research that we're putting together. I think you guys are really, really going to love it. And obviously, we'll be giving you guys more updates as we keep going forward. Today's podcast, though, is all on expiration and assignment and really kind of just making sure that you guys aren't scared of going through the assignment process or going through the expiration process because it's really not something that you need to be afraid of. And people need to really stop worrying about this. So I think some of the information that we're going to give you guys today and some of the stats that we got from the OCC just the other day are really going to help out and kind of maybe calm your fears, maybe give you a level of confidence and understanding exactly what happens at expiration as far as the risk of being assignment, the probability of being assigned, et cetera, because I think people always over like analyze this part of the trading aspect. In fact, we get questions all the time about you know what happens at assignment and how do you get through it? And if the options go directly in the money, am I assigned? And, and so a lot of these things that we want to help kind of answer today on today's podcast. Now, a really quick podcast I want to point you to if you need help in this area. And another one that's related to this is show number 18. Yes, this is show 77. So I'm talking about a show that we did way back when, which you may have not even gotten that far back, but you can scroll back through your feed on your phone or on the website and go to show number 18, where we walk through the exact assignment process and what to do if you are assigned. So in today's show, we're going to be talking about why you really shouldn't be afraid of assignment because it doesn't happen all that often. But if you are assigned, it's not that big of a deal. And show number 18 helps you walk through exactly what happens if you are assigned. Now, the first question I want to tackle right off the bat is, do options get assigned or exercised as soon as they go into the money? And this is a question that people have. And so what I often hear people say, or they'll email me and say, Kirk, you know, I sold a credit spread or I sold an iron condor, but my option went into the money. Do I get assigned immediately? And the short answer to that is no, you usually do not get assigned immediately. And that's definitely true for options that are further out in time and expiration. What we don't see is we don't see assignment happen right away. And the reason that we don't see assignment happen right away, because I think this is important to understand why it doesn't happen right away, is because if the long call buyer, so if you have a short option, and it doesn't have to be a long call or a long put, it doesn't matter, I'm just using a long call in this example. But if you have, let's say, a short call option, the long call option buyer, if they were to assign you immediately as the option goes into the money, and you still have a lot of time left until expiration, then they are forfeiting all of their extrinsic value in that contract. Remember, when they are going to assign you, all that's going to be happening at that point is taking actual delivery of the physical underlying asset. So by converting their contract to physical shares, they forfeit any extrinsic time value or extrinsic volatility value that's left in the contract. This is why option contracts that have a lot of time till expiration, even, and I'm even talking like two two weeks till expiration still don't usually get assigned because there's still a lot of extrinsic value in these contracts. Now, most broker platforms, you can go into your trading tab 
and look up the difference between the extrinsic value and the intrinsic value. You can also calculate this by yourself because it's very easy to do. Remember that the intrinsic value or the value of the option contract, if it were assigned or exercised right away, is just the difference between the strike price and the current price of the stock. So then if the, let's say that the stock is trading at 105 and you are short the 100 call options, those 105 call options might be worth $6. Well, $5 of that, the difference between your strike price at 100 and the stock price at 105, that's intrinsic value. So that's the value that it has right now if it were to be assigned or exercised. But the option contract is worth $6. So the extra dollar of that contract is actually extrinsic value. That's still time value left in the contract or volatility value left in the contract. So an option buyer would be pretty much stupid to exercise that contract because they're going to give up that extra dollar of value. They'd be much better off just to close the contract if they wanted to and sell it back at $6 and then just, you know, go ahead and buy another option contract or buy another, you know, long shares or whatever the case is, right? So that's why most option contracts actually don't get assigned when the option goes in the money. Now, if the option goes really, really deep in the money and the option starts behaving more like short or long stock, and I'm talking multiple dollars in the money, you know, really close to expiration, then yes, then assignment is really high. That's when you start seeing the risk of assignment start to increase. As a general rule of thumb, though, we don't generally see most assignment happen until the week of expiration. So when you start looking at like broad strokes of when assignment happens, it usually doesn't happen until the week of expiration. And the reason is because most of the time value at that point is really out of most contracts. Now option contracts are starting to trade closer to their intrinsic value. There's less time or volatility value. And when you get into expiration week itself, then you start to see that actually within the expiration week, most exercise and assignment doesn't happen until the end of the week because we still have to go through the four or five days until actual expiration date. So I think that people really worry way too much about the risk of assignment, the probability of assignment, because it just doesn't happen all too often. You've got a lot of time left in many of your trades that you don't need to worry about being assigned. And again, if you are assigned, it's okay too. You can deal with it. It's totally manageable. Even if you have a small account, it's 100% managed We'll just have to listen to podcast number 18. We walk through the whole process. So here's probably the number one reason why you should stop worrying. And I want to tell you where we get this information. I just recently had a nice little chat with somebody on the OCC, which is the Options Clearing Corp. That basically is like the big, you know, clearing house for all options. And they published, just published their 2016 stats for all activity and customer and firm accounts. And here's the breakdown of where their stats are on options expiration and assignment. Okay. So this is probably the number one reason why you should stop worrying about it. And that is that of all option contracts in 2016, only 7% were actually exercised any time before or at expiration. Now I tried to really dig into them and say, okay, well, like what percentage of that was done at expiration versus before? And they said they didn't have those numbers, but from what they could tell, it was most of the time was done at expiration, right? So I don't know what that number is. 50%, 60%, 70%. I'm probably guessing it's more than 70, 80% of all options were actually exercised slash assigned, depending on which side you're on, at expiration. And so I think that just that 7% number means that virtually 93% of options were basically not exercised in the market. 
Now, let me break down that other kind of like 93% because I think it's important that we know where those numbers go. 71.3% of all option contracts were closing sales. And this is really important because this is what I was talking about earlier is that if you're a long option buyer and you got some money and it's way before expiration, you made some money the good choice to make is not to exercise your contract or assign the option, the short option seller. It's to actually just close the option contract, sell it back in the market. And this is what the OCC defines as a closing sell. Options that are closed through a sell to close transaction anytime before expiration. 73.1% of all option contracts are just simply closed, right? So good, bad, or indifferent, they're just closed and off the books, right? The other 21.7% are options that are held through expiration and not exercised. So you can basically say that these are options that expired out of the money. Now, that doesn't mean that options that were closed couldn't have expired out of the money because somebody could have closed an option contract and bought it back for a dollar or five dollars that was way out of the money. And for the OCC, they'd consider that a closing sell. They don't consider that a long expiration. They only consider these long expirations option contracts that really went all the way through the expiration cycle and were not exercised and or assigned. So I think the reality here is obviously that most option contracts are closed before expiration. And you should probably be doing the same thing. Whether you close them for a profit or start rolling and closing trades before expiration, you've got to deal with this way before expiration. So what I usually do is like Monday, Tuesday of expiration week is really when we start digging in really hard to which positions do we close, which positions do we start rolling, et cetera, et cetera. Another great podcast that we just did recently on this topic was show number, and I'm trying to look for it here, show number 70, which is how we manage trades during expiration week. Do we close or roll and kind of walks through that whole entire process. So you can just go back again on your phone or on the website and go to show number 70. But again, so I think it's really important that you guys know these stats. Now, when we looked at our stats at Option Alpha, so I went back over the last, you know, basically two years and looked at all of our stats and we have rarely been assigned on contracts. Now, many of you know, if you follow our trades and if you're a pro or lead member, you see that sometimes we'll do at the money straddles, at the money iron butterflies. We'll let trades go all the way against us all the way until expiration week, if need be, to let the numbers weigh out. That means that we have trades that sometimes are in the money for a lot of like many, many weeks, right? And don't get assigned. Of all the trading that we did in the last two years, only 0.8% of the time were we actually assigned. And most of the time when we get assignment, because it happens so rare, we actually end up recording a video that day and walk through the entire process on the screen. So you can actually go to the website at Option Alpha and search assignment, and you'll probably see a bunch of case studies and videos pop up of when we started walking through trades kind of like live on screen once we were assigned. So it doesn't happen all that often, about 0.8% of the time where we actually assign. So the reality is, is if you're getting started in trading or if you've been trading for a little bit here, most assignment just really doesn't happen, especially if you follow the way that we trade, which is closing trades early for profits and managing them early in the expiration week, it's not something that you really need to worry about. So hopefully this podcast, though short, was really helpful in just kind of calming your fears as we get into the new year here and start really getting started because I don't think, or I think that people overemphasize the risk in this and really like over worry about it more so than they should. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Good afternoon, Kirk. This is Jose from California. 
I just finished with the How Much Money Can I Make Trading Options podcast. And you speak of leaving 75% of cash and the account available for margin in the podcast. Now, let's say assuming we were following the never risking more than 1% per trade rule and making many small trades to gain our edge in the market and let the numbers play out for us. Would you find it okay to leave, let's say, 50% in cash for trading options and use the other 25% for trading another instrument like futures? Another question that I had was, other than trading options, do you trade anything else? Like, for example, futures, equities, FX, commodities? And lastly, just thanks for giving me the platform to ask my question and always getting back to me promptly. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Kurt. All right. So Jose, thanks so much for sending in the question, man. I really appreciate it. And I think the first thing is, is that when you looked at that video, just to clarify for those who are listening, that video in particular, we were just talking about having 75% in cash and only trading 25%. And what I generally say is I think a good number for people to use as like a cash target is about 50 to 40% of their account in cash. Now, of course, this can fluctuate a little bit. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts, because if you're trading in a risk-defined IRA account, you may be able to go a little bit more heavy into trading and not use as much in cash to handle the margin fluctuations. Because if you're mostly trading risk-defined positions, you don't need to be able to worry about those margin fluctuations that might happen with, say, a straddle or a strangle. Now, that being said, do you leave the other amount in cash and then can you trade something else with it like futures or Forex or something else? I generally agree that, or I generally think that you should not do anything else with that cash. I think if you want to trade futures and Forex and all this other stuff, that's included in the allocation towards trading side of your account. The purpose for having cash is just that having cash, having this nest egg of dry powder available so that if something goes really bad in the market or if we have some type of black swan event and margin just blows up, that you have something to cushion that impact. Because remember, most of the time where traders lose or get hurt with margin is not the actual move in the market. It's just the actual move in margin. They can't withstand a 50 or 60 or 100% move in margin. Now, the tough part is, is that over the last let's say five years, we've never really had a big margin type of event, but it's going to come again in the future, whether it comes this year in 2017 or next year or the year after. It's going to happen again where the VIX goes plus 30, which we haven't seen in a really long time. And margin literally in two or three days is going to double or triple. And I guarantee that at that point, most of the traders who have dry powder available can withstand that initial margin move and can actually go through that type of event and be very profitable trading. So I firmly believe that you have to keep that amount in cash. You really shouldn't be trading it. And frankly, you don't need to be trading it. So the other question you had is what else do I trade? Most of the trading that I do, like the vast majority of it is in options, which is what I do on the website for pro and elite members. The only outside trading that I do is really for my wife's work retirement account because their account there, we can be self-directed, but they don't allow us to do options. So the only thing I do there is I'll invest in some REITs because I know the REIT space. I'll buy and sell, you know, REIT stock here and there. I also do things like precious metals or oil, USO, GLD, GDX, silver, etc. And so that's just actively, you know, throughout the course of a couple of years, I'll, you know, do some of that stuff. But that's really like a small portion of what we do. And obviously I do that only because they won't allow me to do options trading in there. I've tried, but since it's a teacher's retirement account, they 
they really think that it's really risky and they've never listened to our podcast. So they only allow me to do single equity purchases, which is what I do. So that's the only other trading that we do. But I appreciate you submitting the question, man. And again, if you want to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope in the future, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail like Jose did. There's no software to download. It's incredibly easy. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, I wanted to let you know how you can see some of our live trades. Many of you guys may have seen this section before, but I know a lot of people haven't. It's a fairly new section that we have on the website, but it's our live trading section. And we just went in and added about 45 new videos to this live trading section just the other day. And basically what I've been doing over the last, let's say six to seven months is I've been recording my screen live when I make a trade, open, close, win, lose, draw, adjustment, etc. And I walk through the entire process on screen, even the actual fill of the contracts. And so I've been doing this and just recording these videos one after another for many, many months now. And we're just putting these up here as quickly as we can onto the website. So you guys have a way to quote unquote, look over my shoulder as I'm making trades. And this is something that many people have requested. And so all you have to do is just log in Option Alpha with your free account and head on over to the education section and go to live trading videos. And so there's a huge list there. You can go through all the videos, ask questions as you see them. But it's really cool since I go through like the scanning process, how to select the contracts, the strike prices, And then with closing or adjusting trades, I walk through the entire process of how we close it or adjust the contracts, how we analyze the new position, et cetera. It's been a really cool section. It's very popular. And again, I just want to let you guys know that it's there because many people still have not taken advantage of this. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, we're going to be opening a new trade in GDX. Now, GDX is a definitely a trading favorite of ours, and in all of 2016, we were 100% profitable trading GDX. Now, again, I've mentioned this maybe once or twice on the podcast. I don't expect that, obviously, to continue. I know we're, at some point we're going to lose on a trade at GDX, but it was a very good trading vehicle for us in 2016. We did not make a losing trade in GDX, and I think we traded it 15, 16 times. So very, very good trading for gold and the big basically the whole precious metal sector. But we're starting to rebuild our GDX position for January and starting with this one single set of strangles. Now, again, the whole idea here is to add sets and sets and sets of strangles in GDX. So a set today, maybe a set a couple days from now, and a set maybe another couple days from now, just to continuously ladder into these positions over time. Now, the first one that we're doing here in GDX is selling the 70% probability of success strangle, which is basically about the 15 delta call and put option on either side. So the time that we're recording this podcast, we're selling the 21 calls in GDX and the 16 puts, which gives us really nice balance around where the stock is trading in between this range. And we're selling this first set of strangles for about $40 each. Now this is generally pretty low credit, which is okay. We know that low implied volatility trading still works. We can still generate a positive expected return but we want to definitely get some more credit over time. So we'll do a bunch of contracts here and then we'll do another set of contracts maybe later on this week or next week and just continue to scale into this position. And hopefully maybe if implied volatility rises, we get a little bit better pricing later on, but we're still going to be mechanical. We're still going to be very systematic here with GDX. I think now that we gotten have gotten into the new year, I definitely think GDX might rise here a little bit and start heading towards maybe our call strikes, but that's okay. We can definitely start adding more positions in the future as 
as we ladder into a bigger position for January and February. So again, very simple GDX strangle trade. If you're an iron condor trader, all you're going to do is take R short strikes and you're going to add protection on the other side of those. So you add long options on either end. So if we sold the 21 call, you might also buy the 23 calls. And if we sold the 14 puts, you might also buy, I'm sorry, we sold the 16 puts. You might also buy the 14 puts, which gives you a risk defined iron condor. So if you can't trade a strangle, then you can go ahead and do the iron Iron Condor alternative or synthetic, and that will give you a risk-defined position, which you can do in your account. And those Iron Condors are going to take a couple hundred dollars of risk. So pretty much anybody can do a trade like this. You'll have less credit, obviously, because you'll use some of that credit to buy those long wings, but you'll have dramatically less risk. And then again, still be able to do that trade for your account. So that's today's closing bell trade in GDX. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. Now, I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. And as always, you can get additional resources and any links mentioned in the show and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 77. That's just the number 77, optionalpha.com slash show 77. Until next time, happy trading.